0: Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andes, Season 3, Episode 17. Hang on. Hang on. Hello
1: and welcome... It's... it's, this... yeah... This is a... this is not a movie podcast. Hello and welcome (laughs) to... this? I mean Groundhog Day. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a movie podcast. This is is a tech podcast. Oh, it's a tech podcast. Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andes.
0: Season uh, 3
1: and tech podcast. This is season 3 episode 17. Episode 17. Episode 17. Without put inflection just checking. I think that's right. It is um, this right. This week we've got a we've got a uh, tech
0: podcast.
1: Uh, so um, I'm hosting Andy. What's your B name? Is my name is Andy Cockerill and this is Andy Balaam. There we go. And um, what are you going to be talking about this week, Andy?
0: We're going to be talking about the widely publicized vulnerabilities which were called meltdown and spectre
1: that's those are alarming names aren't they
0: they are and they're alarming vulnerabilities but yeah so if you were tuning into this podcast to listen to us talk about the film spectre you're going to be (laughs) sadly disappointed we're not going to talk about it whatsoever i wouldn't
1: be because i wasn't very impressed with it um before we we begin didn't we we talk about it we we addressed it briefly and we said we were disappointed yeah it's rubbish that's, that's all you need to know, listener. <laughs> it's rubbish. Um, before we uh, before we dive in, though, mm-hmm. we've got some, um, uh, some parish notices. <laughs> 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 okay. We want to say um, hello to Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello, Hayley. Hello, Denny.
0: Hello, Hayley. And we've hello, got Denny.
1: Three, we've got three listeners <clears throat> that we know of. Right, um, right. We've
0: also got some correspondence. That's a 300% increase in listenership.
1: I know it's good, isn't it? Um, so we've got some correspondence, some actual correspondence. Who's uh-huh. it from? From, Dan- from Danny, who uh-huh. is um, Danny Cockerill, uh-huh. um, who also happens to be my the good lady her indoors. <laughs> um, uh, she's got some feedback about Colossal that we talked about last week. Right, last week? No, two weeks ago.
0: Last week? Uh, was well, it last, no, week? last episode? Two weeks last ago.
1: Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, She's got some feedback about that, which is very good. So oh, yeah. uh, shall, I, shall I go for
0: it? Yeah, hit it.
1: Okay. So she says that the film leads the viewer to think that there might be romantic undertones to the behaviour of the male lead, played by Jason Sudeikis, and Anne Hathaway's character. However, this is misdirection. As the plot unfolds, his interest is revealed to be obsession, fueled by jealousy and resentment. Um, as a child, he destroys her project, which I talked about, mm-hmm. a memory she has suppressed and an event that he is unaware that she witnesses, an expression of his jealousy of her academic talents. That resentment is shown as an adult in the comments he makes to her about escaping and making it as a writer. I didn't talk about that, but those that's actually very important. He does mm-hmm. talk about that in quite a pointed way that she kind of ignores mainly because she's, you know, in a bit of a bad way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His only advantage over over her has been physical, and the dramatic climax is when he knocks her to the ground and then asserts his physical superiority by stomping through soul. He is ultimately defeated when Anne Hathaway uses her intellect to work out a way that she can overcome him physically by going to soul. It's a fantastically clever film that has a lot to say about the complexity of relationships with others and yourself wrapped up in a whimsical plot that serves to amplify the moments of brutality. Hello to Jason. Oh no, sorry, wrong podcast. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> so I think what I'm understanding from that is that Danny's saying that the um, the point of it was not just about sort of her, her, her suppressed anger, but a metaphor for um the relationship possibly relationships between some men and some women or possibly just the relationship between this man and this woman
1: yes that is, that is right and um he feels resentment that uh she's left town and become in his eyes become successful even mm. though she probably wouldn't look at it that way mm. but he doesn't know any of that he doesn't know what's happened to her in the intervening time so he sees her coming back as kind of a kick in the teeth, right? Um, which is a very good point,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: there, co- correspondence. Thank you, Danny.
0: Well, that you see, that's quite good because I, I quite often I ask, what's the point? <laughs> and in this case, it seems like that's probably quite <laughs> a good answer too.
1: I think it is a good answer. Yeah.
0: What the point of it is?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um so I think that's my parish notices finished. I think you can um right. dive in. In uh, before you do though. Uh-huh. Um you you said that it has been well publicized. Yeah. But I just mentioned it to um the good lady her indoors. Uh-huh. We were talking about this tonight and she said, "Oh, what are they then?"
0: Okay. Okay. So um
1: I don't think it, I don't actually think that it's been that well publicized.
0: Well, I think maybe people have become less interested. Possibly in this kind yeah. of thing happening because there's been a few
1: Yeah, what do we have? We had um, the WannaCry before this Yeah, and before that um, there was
0: like Shell, what was it called? Shell Shock, shell shock. and a few others. Heartbleed, Heartbleed. which
1: was the SSL Heart, vulnerability. Heartbleed was huge Yeah, that was massive
0: Yeah, um, The, the th- interesting thing about this, before you tune out listener, this is bigger than all of them
1: <laughs> Okay, so can you tell us then why it's bigger than all of them?
0: Yeah, so, um, yes, I I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, like, I guess, kind of stuff like why should you care and what you should do, but I I want to spend as much time as possible talking about the details, because the details are really clever and fascinating. But, yeah, so, um, the reason why this is bigger than anything else is, is because, for two main reasons, firstly, it affects basically every computer that's been made in the last 20 years. And secondly, because it's really hard to fix. Why
1: is it hard to fix? Um,
0: well, what it is, is it's a vulnerability which means that someone malicious, and we'll get into exactly what they can do, but they can do things they shouldn't be able to do on your computer. Okay. So uh, the reason why it's hard to fix is, well, the key reason is because it's a problem with the hardware... Um, of your, of the CPU inside your computer. So instead of being just some prob- some bug in the program, you just download a new version of the program. Uh, it's a bug in the actual physical material of your computer. So it's much harder to fix. You have to kind of work around it. You can't change that without buying a new computer. And by the way, you can't buy new computers that have this bug fixed in them. <laughs> so you can't. Although,
1: we should we should just quickly address that um, Intel who are, I think, the world's biggest chipmaker, mm-hmm. um, the biggest shipper of silicon in the world, uh, do not consider this to be a bug.
0: Yeah, well, that's... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's surprising. All right, so we should probably... All right, so let's talk about what it affects. So it, what it affects is, basically, there are three main... Well, there's two main types of chip... That are around at the moment, so chip is basically the CPU is the bit that, the bit of your computer that actually does the work of figuring, of doing running stuff, actually doing stuff, making decisions, things like that. Um, so the, this is a bug in the design of CPUs. So not really, not a mistake in the programming, just a mistake in the thinking about how to write the program. Y- yes, yes. So that's why I say the design. So um, the there are two main types of CPU. There are, there are so-called Intel style CPUs, uh, some of which are made by Intel and some of which are made by AMD, and both of those are affected, although the ones made by Intel are much more seriously affected. Um, and there are also ARM chips, which is what you get in most phones and tablets and things like that. So, and the Raspberry Pi. And the Raspberry Pi, that's right. So yeah. a few ARM chips are affected, but not many, um, and not so badly. Um, lots and lots, pretty much all Intel chips are affected very badly. And the AMD chips, which are the same kind of family as the Intel ones, are also affected, but not again, not as badly uh, as Intel. And it, these, the, the things that are affected basically anything that's been made in around about the last 20 years, although it's more recent ARM chips, so it, it's kind of modern phones and tablets that might potentially be affected. Um, but yeah, so as you can see, because it's, these are three completely independent um, manufacturers of chips, the problem is kind of a a problem with the way we think about how to make chips rather than um, um, with the specifics of the way one particular one is made. Okay. So just to get out of the way what you should do about it, basically it's going to be the same answer you always hear. Uh, Patch. Patch which is download the updates for your operating system. If Windows or Linux or Mac tells you it's got stuff to download, make sure you download it. Make sure you restart the computer um, if it tells you to. And also, make sure you've got updates for your, especially your web browser, so Safari or Firefox or Edge or Internet Explorer or Chrome. Um, Make sure you download the new version if it tells you to. Um, Uh, Why is that? That's the best you can do. (laughs) So... Um, the, the 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 reason there are two names here, meltdown and Spectre, is because actually, technically, there are three different bugs involved, or three different ways of exploiting the same or similar kind of problem. Okay. Um, one of them affect one of them you can basically fix by changing something in your main operating system, so Windows or Linux or macOS, um, and and that is Spectre, I think and the other one you can mainly fix by changing the actual programs you're running so Firefox or Internet Explorer or Chrome is an example of a program you run although it could potentially affect all programs but the one that's most kind of worrying is your web browser because your web browser is the one that's often uh, running code that someone else wrote that you don't necessarily trust because when you go to a website potentially you're getting code from that person and running it without really knowing who they are Yes. So that's point. why your web browser is particularly important. Okay. Um, but yeah, anytime you've got updates for any of your um, uh, stuff on your computer, uh, make sure you install them. And if you're using a very old operating system which isn't doing you updates anymore, like Windows XP or Windows 98...
1: Then it's time to change.
0: Then you basically can't do it anymore, or you can't trust it anymore...
1: I mean, um, the thing is, if people are running those, uh, and there are still companies running things like Windows XP, um, mm-hmm. they're not connected to the internet, but if they were to become connected, uh, you know, via a proxy server or via another machine, they would be very vulnerable to all kinds of things that, you know, not just Meltdown Inspector, but also viruses and Trojans and all yeah, kinds and of things. Yeah,
0: in fact, you'd probably be more worried about other things. So in order, mm. in order for these particular vulnerabilities to get exploited as in for someone to actually do something malicious they have to be able to run some of their code on your computer
1: okay so they have got to get it on there in the first place
0: yeah so you have to go to a website that you don't trust at an absolute minimum or you have to download a program from somewhere that you don't trust and run it okay Um, okay so where this is more worrying is in places like if you have if you use um, a server that's actually run by someone else, so if you use something in the Amazon cloud or if you have a web server that's run by someone else, mm-hmm. if that is shared with other people who are using the same machine, you're supposed to be able to not interfere with each other at all because that's the, right yeah way, you have, you have users up.
1: and you have usernames and passwords and you have separate areas to keep exactly. things. yeah
0: and then the 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 really scary thing about these bugs is that you get to um if you do the really really clever stuff i'm going to talk about you get to um, look at other people's stuff um, on those computers. It's basically what right. well, basically what it lets you do, what these things let you do is look at stuff you shouldn't be allowed to see and that might include things like your password or your bank details or something like that. Okay. So okay. someone so else who shouldn't be able to see. It's serious. It's very stuff. serious. Yeah. It I mean it's it because it's hard to fix, it's more serious than a lot of the things we've seen recently. Everything else we've seen recently you basically just have to download a new version that's got the fix in and then you're yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this is it's more complicated than that. Although fundamentally it does come down to that because it comes
1: down to the same thing, yeah. Um but because it's in hardware rather than software um the as you say the vulnerability is pretty much everywhere. Yeah um and if the people who are maintaining those uh you know the the uh, AWS machine or the server where you're keeping your mp3 files or your web hosting if they don't patch their servers then they're vulnerable
0: yeah and that means anyone who's who can also log into that computer can see your stuff uh, and also see like the background stuff, like the encryption keys that are being used to to securely log you in and stuff, so they could kind of pretend to be you, or you know, all kinds of scary things.
1: Yeah, it it is. Yeah, it's properly um, properly worrying.
0: So that's kind of how serious it is. There's also also another thing to get out of the way is uh, that there's a, been a bit of a spat recently between the Linux developers and Intel around the way that this should be fixed.
1: In fact, it was so, it was Linus Torvalds, wasn't it? Who, yeah. Um, who let go of an expletive tirade. I know he does that, like, every week. Yeah, it's but, not unusual. Um, it's not unusual.
0: Yeah, Linus Torvalds, who runs the Linux project, which is in, it's an interesting project to follow because whereas Windows and Mac OS might well have arguments, they might even have arguments with other people like Intel, but that will all be done in private. But with the mm. Linux project, you get to see all the internal debates and... Um, you also get to see people using quite unprofessional and um, arguably bullying and um, uh, unnecessary language. Yeah, which he is
1: fame He's famous for using um, colourful language and being a bit of a misogynist and a bully. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: But but on the on this occasion, I'm I'm with him.
0: Yeah. So there's a spat. Um, the thing is, on on technical issues, he's normally right. Yeah. Um, there's been yeah. a spat between uh, the Linux developers and and Intel because Intel um, sent in changes. So people, companies all around the world, regularly send in changes and new features to be included in Linux. And the Intel people sent in the change to basically um, try and fix the these problems, um, the Spectre problem specifically, um, by changing the Linux kernel to basically give you the option to turn off the, C- the feature of the CPU that causes a problem, which right. essentially means you lose the benefits of it. So your computer goes slower, but it's no longer vulnerable to this kind of problem. I see. So that all sounds perfectly reasonable. What the argument is about is because uh, the, the change that they've sent in to the Linux kernel optionally turns off this CPU feature and defaults to leaving it on. Right. Okay. Which is what you were referring to earlier, as Intel basically saying this isn't really a bug. You know, it's they they have fine.
1: not addressed it as a bug at all. They've they've addressed it as a as a as a as a design feature.
0: Hmm. It is a design feature. It's a design yeah. feature which is catastrophically flawed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yes. But no one knew that until now.
1: No. Because um, this stuff's been around for a long time. You were just saying, um, twenty years. So I'm thinking yeah. back to. Like the um, Pentium 3
0: yeah, yeah. So the late nineties. I think I think what I read was everything since the Pentium Four is affected, except itanium.
1: Oh, okay, because because that is um, that I mean, was an that early early sixty-four bit right, Intel okay. processor. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Different and architecture. It,
0: possibly uh, some of the atoms are not affected, but anyway, pretty much every computer you can think of, hmm. certainly a home computer or a server that runs on the internet. They're pretty much all affected.
1: Yeah, because there aren't that many Itanium systems around.
0: No, 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 definitely not. That kind of failed.
1: Yeah. Um, definitely.
0: Yeah, and also, yeah, also most of the AMD ones and some of the other ones, as we said. So, can I get on to the really exciting bit, which is yes. how it works? Yes. <laughs> so, do. forget all yeah. that stuff about how you should patch all your systems and how there's been a big argument.
1: You should do that, right? You should yeah. do that.
0: But yeah. the really interesting thing, the bit we want to get into is the geekiest possible part of it, which is how this thing works. And you'll have to forgive me because we're, we're going to reach the edges of my understanding pretty quickly. But I'll do my best to explain what I can. If it. you
1: explain it, then I'll try and put it into words that a dog could understand.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounds good. I'd really like to hear that. Um, so, um, first of all, we need to think of, I, need to, I want to get you to imagine how a CPU works. So a CPU is is the bit in the middle, as I said, which, which does the actual, um, well, processing or thinking or doing stuff in the computer. So um, effectively, uh, every second, millions and millions and millions of instructions are being run by it. So it's like a recipe or something like that, you know, a list of instructions saying, you, you know, take two eggs and then crack them and place them in a bowl and then mix them and so on. Except the instructions are more like... Um, go and look what's in this bit of memory and then copy it into this bit of memory and then add one to it and things like that. Um, And crucially, some of those instructions say, if this is the case, then jump over here and start running these instructions. But if this is the case, then jump over here instead. So you've got to imagine that that's, it's like a chef uh, diligently following instructions, but then if an instruction comes up saying, jump over here, if this, then, then, then he or she goes... I've, got an, an- I've got an analogy. So yes.
1: By the way, the thing about the dog was not that I think that our listener is a dog.
0: <laughs> we may have a dog or two. We may listener.
1: do, yeah. Uh, it's actually a reference to a film called Margin Call in which a character played by Jeremy Irons who's like, um, he's like the head of a bank like Lehman Brothers. Mm-hmm. And this is Margin Call is set during the financial meltdown. Mm-hmm. And he comes into the office and people are trying to explain very techy things to him. And he says, he stops him and he says, I want you to pretend I'm like a dog and just explain it to me like that. OK, so that, that's what I was talking about. But I was just going to make an analogy of the mm-hmm. things that you were just saying about it being a chef and a recipe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like when you see on TV and they're putting it together and they say, but here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> so, I'm jumping ahead and showing uh-huh. you what it looks like.
0: Yeah. So, is okay. that a good analogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you basically okay. can jump around, and, and what you do depends on what else has happened. So, there's this, you reach this kind of if that says, you know, if this number is 10, then go here. But if it's 9, go here. Something like that. So, that's crucially important for later. By the way, just yes. in case anyone's flagging, <laughs> I, I watched Noah the other day. Oh, I really enjoyed it. It's great, isn't it? It was it was it was just the kind of light fluff that I was looking for from a film like really? that. You thought it was light evening. fluff? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I <laughs> thought um, it was amazing.
1: I, it. I really really enjoyed Noah. Yeah, um, it was
0: it was light, I thought. And but I, I I liked it.
1: This is the one with Russell Crowe as Noah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was good. I really yeah. like the Rock Monsters.
0: I think they're uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was sad the way he uh he let all those people die. Yep, but I think that's that's a that's a, an issue worth raising about the original <laughs> story.
1: Yes, that it yeah. that's in the original story. Yeah, well, almost
0: yeah. all of it's in the original story.
1: Yeah, um, but and the the, um, the character played by Roy Winston is in the original story. Oh really? Tubal Kane, Yeah, he's. Uh, He's a canonical character, a canonical biblical character.
0: Right.
1: right, right. Uh as are the yeah. rock monsters, the the angels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, although I think some of the details were filled in.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I should think so.
0: Also they missed out that like, yeah, they added they yeah. So something I was a little oh, I'm not going to get into it. No, don't. But Carry basically, on. <laughs> the, the idea that like happiness is all about pairing off. I but found that, pretty yeah, offensive.
1: You could you could do a segue of that into the lobster.
0: Yes. Couldn't you, you really could. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was horrifically regressive. Yeah. But other than other than being thematically horrifically regressive, it was quite enjoyable.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I was going to
1: so, uh, say, actually, we watched Mother. Mother! Last night. Mother? Which is uh, Darren Aronofsky's latest, mm-hmm. which we really enjoyed. Cool. Yeah.
0: Mother? Mother! Uh, all right. So back to... Anyway. Um... Back to the uh, the lighter stuff. So, um, <laughs> so now what? Now that I've put this picture in your head of this machine that's, that's following instructions, um, and then if something happens, it jumps somewhere else. What I'm going to do is ask you to completely throw that away mm-hmm. because that's a, that's our picture of how things work, and it's completely wrong. So actually, what's happening is is crazy. So it that is kind of what. That's what's supposed to happen. If you, if I write a computer program and compile it and ask the computer to run it, the computer kind of promises me that it'll do it that way that I just described. Yeah. But actually, that's not fast enough. So what it does is it, it does all kinds of crazy stuff. So it'll run, it'll look at the next four instructions in the list, and it'll do them all simultaneously. Okay. But it'll figure out that that's okay to do them all simultaneously because they don't affect each other. You know, so now you can just just try and imagine a kitchen where there's like seventeen different chefs, and they've figured out that actually one of them can be beating the eggs while the other one is, you know, frying the ham. Well,
1: yeah, that's to, that's division of labor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but but crucially, when the recipes all finished and they they finished doing what they're doing, it's as if it was all done exactly in order.
1: Ah, okay.
0: So the, C- the CPU, these days, the way the CPU works is it figures out how it can do all of this crazy stuff in parallel but make it look like it all happened in, in series. I see. So that's the first thing, the first part of that picture you have to throw away. Then you have to throw away the other part, which is that if you, if you get to an if or something like that, you, then you either jump this way or that way. But here's the crucial part. right? We're getting to the bit that was exploited in uh, Meltdown and Spectre which is that modern CPUs, by which I mean in the last twenty years, um, do this thing called speculative execution. So when they're looking ahead at the bits of code that are going to run, um, and and trying to run them before you need them so that they're ready when you get to them, just to be as fast as possible. They also look at these ifs and essentially they do both sides. So they do it if the if it's ten or if it was not ten or Whatever they run, they run both halves, not always. They, actually, what they do is try and predict which one is most likely to happen. Okay. And then run that, which is really crazy. How do they do that? Um, so they can potentially do, if the if part and the else part, um, run both of them, and then whichever one it turns out you actually needed, it, it use, they use that. And they make it look as if the other one never actually run.
1: So, Even though they did run it.
0: Yeah, they ran it, but they kind of, in some way, kept it secret. Um, so here's where we're getting to the part which gets exploited by these um, exploits. So essentially, so all these chips do this, all these modern chips will will try and predict what's gonna happen and then run that stuff. And then if it doesn't happen, they have to change their mind and do the other thing. And that's kind of a normal thing. And it's, the, it's that moment where you have to change your mind and do the other thing. Um, where it can go wrong so basically they give this kind of guarantee to say if i change my mind and do the other thing nothing will be different from as if i'd always only done the right thing
1: because you don't know about it
0: yeah so they kind of remove any effects that might have happened anything that got put in memory or something um, it won't actually be there so it's as if it never happened so it's again it's keeping this guarantee that um that you had which is that even though the CPU is doing this crazy stuff, it's pretending it's just running one instruction, then the next instruction, then the next instruction. Right. Um, so that it's, there's a flaw in that pretending. So the flaw is, even though it's put everything back exactly how it was, there's one thing which shouldn't matter that is actually different. So in order to explain this part, I have to use another analogy. So okay. So let's imagine for a second that the memory of the computer, so the basically the stuff it's currently... Dealing with the stuff it knows at the moment um, is like a whole series of boxes or cabinets with papers in so it can go and get stuff out of the cabinet and then read what's on it. And then it knows um, it you can use that information for something. Um, but then, but in modern computers, there's not just one row of cabinets. You've got like a, you've got like a filing shelf under your desk, which you can get to very quickly, which is called a cache. Mm-hmm. And actually, modern CPUs have quite a lot of different caches. So you'll have one that's like over the other side of the room, but it's a lot bigger, and then one that's just down the corridor, and one that's in the sort of warehouse. You know, yeah. So you see that written road.
1: on the on the spec of a computer. It says it has mm. an L1 and an L2 cache.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And these days they have they have several more, and they ha- actually sometimes have some memory that's closer than other memory. So it's all these different layers of. Um, of how quick it is to go and look up a piece of information. Yeah. So, which is generally way- what
1: you pay more for a for a CPU, if it's got more cache, and yeah. more types of cache on board, so
0: it can store yeah. more stuff
1: at, that it's doing. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, because it it turns out that recently the stuff that really makes computers slow is how quickly they can look in their memory. Right. The actual getting through instructions, they can get through pretty quickly, but if they then have to go off and look at, look something up in their memory, in a bit of memory that's far away, like, you know, drive down the road to the warehouse, yep. then that takes, like, a, a millions of times longer than just using a bit of memory that's close. Mm-hmm. So so what happens when, when you do this speculative execution thing is you run, uh, you run some commands that, don't, that turn out never to have actually needed to be run. Mm-hmm. So you put everything back how it was, except... If you went and got a piece of memory from the warehouse miles away and came and brought it and put it in your local filing cabinet in the l one cache or somewhere like that mm. somewhere close by um when if you did if you did that in order to do this bit of speculative execution, then you won't sort of remove it from that that l one cache or that that little filing cabinet under your desk just because you didn't actually need that bit of speculative execution and this kind of makes sense right because the the only difference between going and looking for that memory far away and looking for it close is that you get it quicker. There's no, there's no kind of noticeable difference from the outside right. that you're doing one or the other. So you can see how the designers of the chips thought, well, there's no difference between um, going and looking it up in the memory far away or finding it finding that it's already in the cache. However, <clears throat> there is a difference, which I've already mentioned, which is that you get it a lot quicker.
1: Yeah. Which is what everybody wants.
0: Yeah. But in this case, um, the particular bug, Spectre bug, what it does is it gets the the CPU to do a piece of speculative execution. And it turns out in the Intel CPUs, when you do speculative execution, it doesn't check whether you're allowed to find the memory or not. Right. It's going to check it later. When it actually uses that piece of speculative execution and says, okay, I really did execute this. Then it checks whether you had access to the memory. I actually think I'm simplifying a bit here. This is where I'm getting to the edge of my understanding. But anyway, it's something like that. And uh, what that means is that you can find stuff out about pieces of memory that you shouldn't know about because you can measure how long it takes to look up a piece of memory in the cache or not in the cache. So you can find (coughs) out, did it actually go and grab that piece of memory from far away and store it in the cache just by looking at how quickly the next bit of memory you look for I see. gets loaded yeah. in. Okay. So uh, as totally uh, mind-bogglingly bogglingly obscure as that sounds, if once you've got your head around that and you can measure the time it takes to get something out of memory... Then you could, you could speculatively oh, what-
1: have a look and see if there's something there of interest.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what that eventually ends <clears throat> up being with some more steps that I probably don't understand, that by by using these timing differences, you can tell what happened during the speculative execution, even though the speculative execution never happened and wouldn't have been allowed to happen if it had really happened. <laughs> <laughs> because you can tell what happened in it when it did happen, even though it never really happened. Um, you can tell what was in memory. In bits of memory, you're not allowed to look at. So that is, that is how you manage to find
1: and this is memory. cpu memory not system memory is that right
0: um i think it could apply to anything that's in the um in the actual memory of the computer so on. we're not talking about um on the hard disk but it, anything no. that's in the memory so for example if you're running your password manager program yeah and that has your passwords in its memory and
1: Somebody then you're could look some in to-
0: there yeah, yeah if you're running some totally separate program that is using this this bug um, or this design flaw um it could it could read your passwords i out see of, out of your password managers name. okay yeah uh, and similarly if you're in if you're working on a web host that's shared with other people potentially you could actually look at what's going on in their computer yeah get their, their encryption their keys yeah
1: um passwords
0: find out what they're typing
1: Yep. okay so it I is understand. it is very
0: very serious it is and, uh, and it works by yeah. this crazy like, there's no difference, but just how quick it took to get something out of memory. And you can measure that closely enough to find out what happened.
1: So I read a, um, a register post uh, on the website, the register, um, all about how Moore's law is now mm-hmm. effectively dead yep. because of this um, this defect. Not defect, feature. Um, and because, well. because, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it's an opinion piece. It's, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's the truth. But it was an interesting opinion, an interesting thought, is that...
0: Yeah, and I think Moore's Law's dead anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at how fast CPUs go now, um, you, the Intel range of CPUs doesn't really go any faster than they have been for the last 10 years. So I'm talking yeah. back so to the, explain
0: what Moore's Law is? Pardon? Shall we explain what Moore's Law is?
1: Yes, yes, please do, yeah. yeah.
0: So Moore's Law is named after some bloke called Moore, who said, um, I think every 18 months, uh, CPUs will get 10 times faster.
1: I'm going to look actually, it up, but actually, actually it carry, on talking,
0: on. carry on talking. Actually, it was, I think every 18 months, uh, transistors will get 10 times smaller. But it's generally been uh, accepted to mean that computers will get a lot faster very quickly.
1: So what, um, he said, what he said mm-hmm. was is that the number of transistors in a dense integrated circuit doubles approximately every two years.
0: Oh, doubles, sorry. Yeah. I said, no, that's I said right.
1: I, didn't, I have no idea. So, so yeah, it doubles yeah. every two years.
0: So what that means is the more transistors you can get in a small space, the faster your computer goes. Um, so for a long time, I guess about 20, 30 years, Moore's Law was a roundabout right or actually a little bit of an underestimate.
1: Yeah, so if we're thinking back to the you know the jump from like the old four eight sixes to the Pentiums and then the two and then the three then the four, then things start to slow down after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and yeah. then recently, yeah, as you say, CPUs haven't got that much faster. Um, they can fit they, more cores. Yeah, a, you tend to get more of them yeah, instead. Yeah, which kind of helps if you write your programs the right way.
1: Yes, although still a lot of programs can't use multi core or multi threading mm, yeah. where you have a core using more than one threaded execution at a time.
0: But yeah, yeah, so this I think certainly these um problems, if they are addressed properly, will make it look a lot worse because in order to fix the problem you have to turn off this speculative execution feature. Yeah. And that people have said that's something like somewhere between a ten and thirty percent decrease. And that's in a big hit, isn't how it? How fast your computer goes. Yeah, I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money for people who run a lot of servers. Yes. I mean, for us at home, it might be mildly annoying, but we probably won't notice. I don't know. But if you're... I think,
1: you know, if I was, um, you know, in the business of, uh, you know, sort of running a, a business that does encoding of video, yeah. let's say, you're going to see a massive performance hit there.
0: Yeah. So Time. I guess it is going to cost yeah. people like YouTube, Google. Yep some very large amount of money yeah that they'll have to buy more computers to throw, do the same amount of video throw more videos.
1: hardware at the at the issue yeah, yeah
0: exactly. or alternatively they won't they won't turn it off and they'll just try and stop people getting near their computers <laughs> or something i don't know i think they'll
1: have to turn it off for security it's reasons it, it sounds um, scary so yeah it it's scary. it's a big hit uh if you're doing very cpu intensive stuff um I think that GPUs are unaffected. Those are those are graphics cards, listener. Mm, mm. Um, I think they're unaffected. They then they don't have the same kind of architecture that a CPU
0: does. As, far as I understand, yeah. So the way interesting thing about graphics cards is that they tend to run uh, thousands or millions of things simultaneously. Yes. Um, whereas nor- a normal CPU will run is supposed to be running one thing at a time, and that's why that's why they've come up with these crazy ways of actually running multiple things at a time because that could be slow otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah, a graphics card will naturally be running thousands and thousands of things simultaneously because it's basically calculating each pixel on your screen independently. Mm, that's right. Which is right. sort of cool.
1: Yeah, yeah it is cool. Um, yeah, this is big This is big stuff, listener. Right, we yes. hope you've been following this because, you know, it's... Yeah. Um, I understand it, but... I'm not a complete... Well, no, I am kind of a complete dunderhead in some some ways, but um, I think I understood what you were talking about in terms of how important it is and what it is that it's doing in the mm. first place.
0: What's well, exciting to me is how clever it is. And I, one of the things about it that I wanted to mention is it kind of demonstrates how hard it is to write or design fully secure systems. Mm. Because... Re- uh, being reasonable you could never really have thought of this and thought well I can't design my chip this way because because of this crazy way of exploiting a difference in how fast one operation runs you know it, it just seems well maybe not impossible from now on because now we know it maybe we'll, we'll know for next time but to have thought of that I mean it took 20 years for someone to think of it put it that way yeah and it's not like people haven't been trying to think of stuff <laughs> they have
1: absolutely yeah, um, but yeah so want- the only hope um speculating about it though I wonder if this um is one of these things that came from the military or from um national I mean, security the exploit. yeah, the exploit was found by yeah, was found maybe. by the military
0: i mean it was it was um it was uh, apparently discovered independently by multiple people at once, so basically. The the security community has been kind of homing in on it for I think maybe a year or a year or two. People have been writing papers about sort of the kind of information you can get from speculative execution and then a few different people independently kind of zoomed in on this is a way of actually exploiting a problem that people have been thinking about for a while. Right. They reported it last year, I think July last year mm. to Intel. Okay. And they were unimpressed with the way Intel dealt with it and eventually published in a slightly, um, I think in a way that wasn't particularly agreed with, with the chip manufacturers because they'd been unimpressed with the response.
1: Well, this is what happens, isn't it? If you get a poor response and you just go ahead and publish anyway, um, make it public. So, yeah, I mean, it, if, there have been, if there's been more than one person working on this, it seems to me to be likely <clears throat> that people in positions of power and influence have also had an idea that this these things can work and maybe they've already been exploiting them
0: could be I and mean, people haven't found any exploits in the world yet um there's a, there's there's kind of patterns to the code um that you would see if people were exploiting this which no one's found yet so mm. hopefully um, there won't, there aren't too many things out there, but um, now that it is out, people, it's pretty easy to make an exploit. So you definitely should update.
1: Yeah, update whenever you get a patch through from Microsoft or from Apple or from on your Linux distribution. Just you know, patch it.
0: So something happened about this that I haven't seen before which is, I'm sure maybe it probably happens quite often, but it's the first time I've noticed, which is that the changes that they put into Linux to stop this happening, they didn't it. They did make it deliberately hard to understand, but they did take all the comments out from the code, so all the explanation that would normally be a look, that come along with the code to explain how it works, mm. they took it all out as just a sort of slight way of preventing people understanding it too easily, I guess.
1: I guess. Although, yeah, I suppose so, but it I kind of think that the people who want to exploit this will will already know about it.
0: Mm. Well, I think... um, Yeah, possibly. I mean, it it at least means that there's a certain level of skill required to uh, understand it. And actually, the changes they were making weren't kind of directly obviously... um, They didn't make it that obvious what the bug was itself. So by removing the comments you... You made that a bit less obvious. This was actually before it was properly made public, so I imagine they've now added the comments back in. Yeah. Now that it's well understood.
1: So in terms of um, you know, sort of looking to the future of of chip manufacture and mm. design, presumably this um, feature needs to be removed from future chip designs and. Um, chip manufacturers, uh, Intel and AMD and others, need to kind of go back to the drawing board to figure out how they're going to speed things up without introducing vulnerabilities like this.
0: Yeah, well, so, um, yeah, all is not lost because um, uh, 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 AMD, not all of AMD's stuff is affected. So there obviously are ways of designing this that are less vulnerable. So one of the things I was saying about... um. How the Intel chips don't check whether you're allowed to access something when they 're doing speculative execution, mm. well, the AMD chips do check that, so um, at least in the in the cases where this exploit requires that that 's why the AMD chips are <coughs> uh, less affected by it I see so there are some kind of basic things you can do that make it um, uh, that, that address the problem a bit, but it is certainly going to be the case that intel. Are going to be releasing chips at least, I don't know for months or years. That, have that the, still have this have problem. It
1: in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And then eventually they will redesign. I mean, I think it is. You could do the speculative execution, either just run it in a way that doesn't that no, no information that you would get from it is useful. Yeah. Or make it really not leak any information. So you know, kind of delete things from the cache. Or I something. was going
1: to say that. Yeah, you, you discard it as soon as you've done it, so that it doesn't hang around. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I think at this point we're probably... I'm probably speculating about things that I don't understand well enough to give a decent answer. But it certainly is the case that, that people are basically trying to rethink how to design chips so that um, they don't have this problem. So I- in a way, it's maybe good news for the the chip, the CPU industry, because they haven't had much to talk about recently. <laughs> no. But if they, if they take a 15% performance hit and then they spend the next few years giving us back... Fifteen percent. Maybe they'll uh, sell some chips.
1: Well, yes, exactly. I, I think I was thinking about um, Intel's um, that their strategy since they launched the i series of CPUs, mm. the i three, the i five, and the i seven. Their strategy has been every six months to introduce new chipsets, new motherboards, mm-hmm. new architecture. Um, to try and revive the what was perceived to be the ailing PC market.
0: Yeah, and there's really no reason to buy them. So. No. No one has.
1: No. And that's why uh, you know. Uh, there's some bargains to be had. Well, obviously um, Intel's chips are now bargain basement, presumably, because <laughs> yeah. who wants to buy them?
0: Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so it, it looks to me, I was having a quick look at what, who's who's put out fixes, and, and from what I can see, if you're up to date with um, um, your operating system updates and your browser updates today, which is the 29th of January, I, I'm fairly sure you're protected, um, except I don't know whether on Windows or Mac, whether you actually have this feature turned off or whether they're leaving it turned on.
1: No, I don't know, sorry.
0: Because Intel are kind of recommending that, that it be left turned on. That's um, because they're idiots. But I'm fairly sure I don't I don't when the Linux update comes out, and I don't know whether the final one has yet. It will mm. have it turned off by default because why wouldn't you?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly.
0: So if you're using Ubuntu, you're going to be all right. I can't speak for anyone else.
1: No. Okay. <clears throat> cool. That was very interesting very very interesting i hope our <laughs> listener isn't hasn't fallen asleep i'm sure they haven't
0: well they can skip to the next one
1: they need to um need to get in touch and say i really enjoyed that tell me more about how my pc is vulnerable
0: <laughs> yeah we could do something uh, else about computers that isn't cuz haven't we done one we already did another one about we did one some about kind of WannaCry. right like WannaCry, yeah
1: um that was before christmas um But this is our first tech one for a while.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not popular. I think they are popular. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think they are. It's just that I watch a lot of films, so I've got a lot of stuff to talk about.
0: (laughs) Well, I've been learning a new programming language. You've been
1: writing one?
0: Yeah, I've been learning one in order to write another one.
1: Ah. What have you been learning?
0: I've I've been learning Rust. Rust. That's good.
1: Okay. Rust never sleeps. I think I did that gag already.
0: Right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, a gag reused. A gag not reused is a gag wasted. It's true.
1: Yeah, that's my whole life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, do some plugging. I'm just, checking the, I'm just checking the Ubuntu page. They say updates should be out by 9th of January. So okay, so everybody's already. patched. Should be.
1: Yeah. Do some plugging.
0: Okay, Uh, I make a game called Rabbit Escape. It's good. um, Which we showed off at the uh, Raspberry Pi Jam recently. Sorry,
1: can you you explain what a Raspberry Pi Jam is?
0: A Raspberry Pi Jam is a place where um, people go along and take their Raspberry Pi, which is a a very cheap small computer for doing geeky stuff with, um, and show off what they've been working on recently, what fun things they've been doing with their Raspberry Pi. So we took ours along. We took one along that showed how you can play old games like Sonic the Hedgehog Mm. on your Raspberry Pi. Uh, And also how we'd worked out how to record videos from that because that's actually really quite tricky. But we figured it out. Okay. Um, But we also took along uh, Rabbit Escape and the new Rabbit Escape Level Editor. Ooh. And we ran a competition for the best levels designed by people at the Raspberry Pi Jam. Um, for for Rabbit Escape, Rabbit Escape is a game where you have to get your rabbits from the entrance to the exit. You as a rabbit?
1: Um, oh no, you're many rabbits. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 You uh, you drop little tokens to tell the rabbits to do things like build bridges, and uh, yeah, the, there are lots of levels. There are like 120 levels or something. Oh, it's a insane! Lot. Yeah, they just keep but going. We, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we made we made a level editor, so there'll be you know thousands more levels when when the hordes gather thousands. to make them. Exactly, thousands. Thousands. Um, so that's good. You should definitely get that from the Play Store or download it for your computer mm-hmm. or go to the website and find the level editor at artificialworlds.net slash rabbit-escape slash level-editor. There you
1: go. Do you catch that, and listener? Try it out. If you didn't, try it's it. on... I'm pretty sure it links to that are available on our I website. Sh-
0: I should add that to the about page. I I haven't really released the level editor yet because it's still a bit of a beta.
1: Okay. So this
0: is quite exclusive. That's my plugging.
1: Ooh, exclusives. Ooh, (laughs) get you. Yeah. Okay, my plugging is that I present a uh, movies and movie reviews and music show on Glastonbury FM, 107.1 in the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Somerset.
0: Yeah, you can see the wells out of the studio window. You
1: can see the wells. Sometimes I'm in the well.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I'm in the well. I'm in the well. Well, 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 well. Echo, Echo, echo. That goes goes out live on a Thursday evening. GMT at 6pm. Repeated on Friday at 2pm. There are podcast highlights available on the internet. Uh, Search for Movie Mashup. No camel case, no caps. You will find them. Um, on the most recent show what did I talk about? oh yeah Transformers The Last Night.
0: and you played you played a song from one of my favourite films yes
1: I played a song from um, Series 7 The Contenders which I was not impressed by
0: the film or the song? no
1: no I liked the film
0: I didn't like the song Um, Series 7 colon The the, The Contenders yeah that's the one if you haven't seen it listener it's really good seek it out yeah it's really good
1: it features a fantastic performance from a woman who is in The Silence of the Lambs. Oh really? Yeah. Uh she's the, the actually she's in the well. She's in the um she, oh, well. She's the uh the thing puts the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose again. She's right, the one right, in the well.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh right.
1: Yeah. And she's really good. Is
0: that in Is that in Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not one of the other no, it's definitely Red dragon definitely science of the lambs.
1: Um, that's my plugging. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what that was. Sorry. Yes, yes.
1: that's what that was. <laughs> cool. Okay, kids. Yeah. Well,
0: if you would like, uh, if you'd like us never to talk about technical topics again, <laughs> get in touch. But if you would like us to talk about technical topics, mm, get in touch. For example, the most amazing and beautiful programming language ever, which is Lisp. Lisp. Oh, wow, yeah, I've heard of Lisp. Specifically, Scheme mm. is the best type of Lisp. Okay. Because obviously there are two rival types of Lisp.
1: So actually, <clears throat> listener, um, um, we would like you to get in touch if there's any tech topics that you would like us to talk about.
0: Or if you would like us never to talk about tech again, topics again. ever.
1: <laughs> ever, ever. And ever.
0: equally, if you've seen a film you think we should see. Yeah, get in touch. yeah absolutely, yeah.
1: And if you have any feedback for us on anything that we've yeah. said, if you've been affected by issues in this podcast, <laughs> please get in touch.
0: Yeah, if you've been affected by issues in this podcast, for example, you fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> well,
1: or you got distracted yeah, whilst politics. you were out walking the dog and you forgot to pick up its poo. Yeah. Something like that. We, hold,
0: we, we accept no responsibility for accidents. No, it's
1: not our fault. It's all Bill Gates' fault.
0: Yeah, it's Bill Gates' fault. Yeah. No, it's whoever runs Intel's fault.
1: Yeah, I've no idea. And the thing. Okay, so I'm going to have a little rant now. <laughs> <clears throat> this is something that I thought of whilst I was eating dinner, and that is that Intel are a massive multinational company. Mm-hmm. They have a PR department that are presumably professionals that you know they're paid mm-hmm. to make Intel look good. Mm-hmm. And somebody took that press release that basically said, "Screw you guys." This is now a feature, not a bug. Somebody said, "Yeah, that's fine. That'll that'll work really well with with people."
0: The hmm. um, problem is, if they admit that it's a flaw, they can get in sued. Their product, yeah, they could get sued for more money than even they have.
1: Yeah, they would basically go bankrupt, wouldn't they?
0: And it could it could ruin them completely. Yeah,
1: I agree. So they can't they can't admit that it's a flaw. They have to say it's yeah. a feature.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, if only you could see what well, I could see. <laughs> me, me blowing. Andy a raspberry. on the webcam blowing raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have been affected by any of these, reasons. if
1: you've been affected by me blowing raspberries, um, don't get in touch.
0: Yeah. But yeah, if you've seen a film, or if you're um, appalled that I could enjoy now, given how utterly regressive its themes are.
1: It is regressive, but but the subject. But, you know, the subject matter is... The Bible's all about pairing up, isn't it? There aren't really people who go it alone. Yes, Oh, well, Onan did. <laughs> but we don't talk about him.
0: There's lots of people who go it alone. What about Jesus? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's reasonably important, isn't he? He's fairly important, yeah. According to some people, anyway. Yeah.
1: Jesus. Um, I think that's it.
0: I think that's, <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.